welcome to Health Kitchen, the podcast that talks all things health, safety, and performance when it comes to restaurants and the food service industry. I'm Aaron, kinesiologist, former dishwasher, server, bartender, and I will be guiding us through this journey as I connect with industry professionals, health experts, and anyone who has a good story in the food service industry. Hello, 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 and we are back for another episode of Hell's Kitchen. And we're going to go in a little bit of a different direction this time, because we are talking about sustainability, and particularly when it comes to reusable or one-time use containers. And you're probably thinking that this doesn't really connect to health, safety, and performance, but I think it does. If we are not thinking about sustainability of the environment, of sustainability of our business when it comes to how many containers we're using and throwing away, then we're really not adapting our business to the world that we're facing. And I'm sure that you have seen the news about the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. Maybe you've heard about how Canada's garbage and recycling is being shipped back from wherever we ship it in the world because we don't recycle everything ourselves. And really, it's food service businesses that are on the front lines of creating change. So many of us, every single day, go to a food service business and get a, a one-time use container. And we drink whatever it may be. Maybe it's a coffee. Maybe it's eating something. And then we get rid of that packaging. And every year, there's six billion coffee cups that get thrown in the garbage from Canada. It's pretty mind-boggling when you think about it. So the food service businesses are the starting point of one-time use containers in a lot of ways. Then food service businesses have just as much power to create change around it. And I know there's a lot of health regulations, a lot of worries from businesses about reusable containers. So I thought it'd be great to have on a guest who knows a lot about that, who knows how to create change in a business when it comes to creating these policies, and how as consumers we can go about making that change. So let's get into introducing today's guest. Today's guest goes by the name of Katrina McGuire, and she started a project last year to have more reusable containers at a farmer's market. And from there, it has grown into a full program called Danforth Reduces. And it's pretty exciting to see her bring forward policy change, bring forward solutions for various businesses to have more sustainability when it comes to reusable containers. So we talk about all this during the episode. She goes into the history of why she started this project, how it connects to restaurant businesses, and then we talk about what steps are next and how we can create sustainable change as consumers and 
also how this directly connects to health, safety, and performance in restaurants. Now, I do want to put one little disclaimer before we get into it, that I was recording at the Toronto Reference Library that day, and a large group of children from a school group passed by while we were recording. So the first few minutes, you can hear a lot of adorable children in the background, and then eventually they move on and it becomes much quieter. You should be able to hear it fine anyway, but just a little heads up before we get into the episode. But without further ado... Let's go listen in. Yeah, so um, yeah, so I'm sitting here with Katrina from Danforth Reduces Waste, and I thought I would give you the floor to tell a little bit about yourself, and then we'll go from there. All right. Uh, yeah. Hi, everyone. Um, yeah. So Danforth Reduces Waste is my project that is uh, encouraging businesses to accept reusables from customers and also encouraging customers to start using reusables when they're shopping for uh, food or takeout, uh, bulk items, um, all along the Danforth Avenue from Broadview to Vic Park. And um, I'm not alone, there are 10 other Reduces teams uh, working throughout Toronto and we're all doing the same thing. It's um, all in an effort to reduce single-use packaging. Awesome. Um, so how you started in the service industry a little while ago, how did you get your start and did that connect to you starting this project? Yeah, I guess I've had um, an off and on relationship, uh, you know, employment with, um, in, sorry, in the service industry. I, you know, did my, my stint, I guess, um, my first one when I was just 20 and I was uh, in university but I needed to, you know, to make some part-time, uh, make some money and I was a server for six months and that's kind of the end of that. <laughs> uh, then uh, fast forward to about 10 years ago, oh my gosh, I started off as a bartender again. I was working in um, Corner Hall actually uh, for three years and that was an that was a really fun experience. The staff there were amazing. My other fellow bartenders were great. Um, Kerner Hall is an amazing venue, and um, yeah, it was a, it was a really cool experience. I quit that um, just because I didn't. Uh, I was also doing it for a side um, gig, and then um, so I knew my way around. A kitchen, commercial kitchen, and um, you know the ins and outs of um, serviceware and dealing with uh, cleanliness and um, you know st- you know standards that you know you would need in service industry. And then, so I was not unfamiliar last year when I um, decided to start a reusable dishware program at my local farmer's market and I needed to wash the dishes uh, somehow. Uh, We didn't have the capacity or the facility to do it at the market itself, so I took the dishes home. Uh, But I wanted to do that in a a way that would pass, uh, you know, city bylaw and so I took my food handler certificate and I learned how to properly sanitize dishes in a three sink solution and uh, I did that at home for one year 
it was a lot of work. Uh, my, you know, standing for two and a half hours afterwards, washing yeah. dishes. <laughs> totally. Um, so I decided to this year um, approach a commercial kitchen in a church, and uh, they have, um, you know, they need us to abide by standards that they have in their commercial kitchen for renting it out to guests. And um, so my food handler certificate came in handy. Um, so I used their commercial kitchen to clean um, about 500 dishes every week. Wow. Yeah. And are these dishes being sourced from restaurants? No, uh, the, the dishes are, um, you know, kind of my favorite little anecdote about the dishes is that they're actually pre-loved. Um, so they're all second-hand dishes from acquired from thrift shops and in-kind donations. Um, that was one of our sustainability goals at the Zero Waste Station, okay. is to, um, to only use dishes that were already in the system. Okay. Perfect. And uh, so then you're cleaning the dishes and then returning them back. Um, and uh, I assume that's all heavy lifting and all that kind of work mixing with that as well. Um, so connecting to health and safety and health, safety and performance when it comes to restaurants. I know a lot of food service businesses when it comes to reusable containers and all that sort of stuff um, have concerns about um, bacteria, all sorts of cleanliness issues when it comes to that, and I know you know a lot about that. And that connects pretty directly to health, safety, and performance for restaurants, so can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, definitely. Um, there are concerns floating around there that uh, accepting a customer's reusable container uh, will be in violation of a bylaw that the city has. Um, this is very incorrect. Um, you're you're not going to receive any kind of fine. Um, it is at the discretion. The city leaves it at the discretion of the um, proprietor. So whether you would like to use a customer's reusable or not is is really your choice. Um, which is why there are a lot of. Um, restaurants that are already accepting containers and not getting fined. There's a national program by one of the bulk stores that accept reusable containers. Uh, there are lots of restaurants already doing this in the, Toron in the Toronto area. And um, the rate of incident for contamination leading to um, health, you know, customers' um, you know, illness is extremely, extremely low, um, and it is up to your discretion whether to accept a container or not. If there's a dirty container and you don't want to accept it, then don't. I think that's the that, yeah. that's the biggest, um, you know, defense that someone has. You know, if 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 it really doesn't look clean, then just don't accept it. And you know, it's it's up to the customer really to bring a clean container. So. Yeah, I know. Uh, at a place I was working at that was a cafe, um, across the board we were taking people's mugs and refilling them, we would just rinse them out and everything, but then I worked at another restaurant where you weren't able to do that or they were okay with it being in the front, but we couldn't bring a container into the back. The kitchen didn't want that. So um, is that something you're seeing in different types of places or, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's really, it's it's really uh, all over the map, right? Um, some places will accept a container into their kitchen, no problem, as long as it's clean. 
um, other places just won't. And um, you know, we we kind of say that if if they don't, that the workaround for that for a customer who does want to bring their container is that they um, just ask for the food to be served on a plate, and then they put the food into their own container and return the plate back to the um, restaurant so that they don't um, create the waste for takeout and they have their own they have their food in their own container perfect um that yeah okay that makes sense i i it's interesting so do you see that this sort of change is coming from the customer bases or because your work is going into restaurants and having those policy discussions bringing those solutions forward but is this something that's kind of coming from the consumer side and restaurants are having to change or are they being in front of this yeah uh again it's um I'm speaking to restaurants, uh, Just the, it's the beginning of my journey into this and a lot of the reduced groups as well. And so we're, we're really speaking to restaurants that are already um, open to accepting containers. Uh, not a lot of pushback. I think the, uh, the, the restaurants that do push back, um, that's a much bigger piece. And I think for that, we need to work with our um, local councillors and policymakers, um, health departments, uh, get them on board, um, you know, with a letter or something to substantiate our, you know, claim that it's not actually a health code violation, which it's not, but um, we just need that extra piece of, um, uh, you know, official support. So we really are, there's, you know, there's tens of thousands of restaurants in Toronto. So we are really just focusing on the ones that do accept the containers. And, uh, you know, they opening them, they're opening up their, um, uh, their restaurant to the containers really, it, like it's a, it's a, um, it's wanted in certain, you know, uh, demographic of people, you know, the eco-friendly people, the people that are trying to reduce their own waste. So it really our highlighting of their businesses um, is one way for them to um, capture that audience that, that of, of people that want the containers. Yeah, yeah. That's, the, that's the biggest thing that I think a lot of restaurant businesses forget is that it can be a fantastic marketing ploy. Um, because you can turn around and say, hey, we're actually doing something that's like really amazing and this is why you want to support us. And I think a lot of businesses forget about that, that detail, that connection to that you can actually make more money bringing these sorts of policies on board. And uh, it's, it's so funny because on top of that, uh, with the restaurant industry, I've seen from my 15 years in it that... Um, the concern of cross-contamination, the concern of people getting sick and everything, and uh, all that sort of stuff. But um, a lot of restaurants are run so thin with their employees that if they lose a single person to a cold or sickness, they really, really are run ragged for that shift, right? It becomes a really big concern compared to a lot of other industries where, you know, your sick days really, you can make it work, you can work from home, that sort of stuff. Um, so I've seen, have you seen that sort of concern kind of coming forward, connecting to that at all? Because I always put it through this uh, health and performance uh, filter. Certainly, yeah. I, no, I have not. I have not. Uh, restaurants have not expressed concern about um, their health so much as um, just, you know, they don't want the customer to get sick, right? They don't want um, their food to be, you know, um, 
blamed, I guess. Like, you know, they don't want someone to come back and say they got sick because they used their own container um, at a, a, a certain restaurant. Um, and then it's hard to verify, who, you know, where the contamination started. Did it start at the, you know, at the restaurant and the yeah. preparation? Um, or did it, you know, was it the container itself? So, um, you know, but the, this, you know, we've had to deal with takeout containers uh, for the last, you know, 20 or 30 years. Um, you know, taking containers in restaurants often just sit out, um, you know, in the back or in the front. And there's, you know, they're not protected. Things are airborne. Um, so a customer bringing home a container uh, and getting sick, you know, again, you, you know, it's hard to to kind of say, was it the container itself, or was it the food, or was it the person? Was it, you know, who knows what it was? It's a very, I think it's, um, I'm, you know, not, I'm not a lawyer, but I think it would be um, a case on for both sides. You know, you could argue that it, for either side, it would be hard to kind of um, defend where the contamination originated from, unless you know the food actually was tested. But I think that it, it really is like. Just do your part, you know, for the customer to bring their clean containers. And, um, you know, if, if a business wants to refuse a container, that they have that right to do it. Um, but I think, you know, we, we have to work together if we're going to reduce the waste. You know, it's it's interesting. Um, I bring up this company all the time on the podcast. So I think people are probably used to hearing me go on about it. But um, looking at a restaurant company called The Neighborhood Group, they just brought this interesting program on board with their company for everybody who works downtown at the restaurant and uh, and all the customers are coming. Because it's a lot of local people from that area downtown Guelph, a restaurant mm -hmm. called Vegeta. And they have a reusable mug program where uh, you, if you forgot your reusable mug, they have a whole bunch that are washed and ready on a shelf that you can take with you. Um, so they're like, oh, do you work downtown? Do you actually not have far to go? We can actually give you a bug and you uh, pay a little deposit and then they bring it and then you can bring it back and you get your deposit back and uh, for the next time. And I think the sort of cleverness is really exciting and I enjoy seeing those sorts of solutions coming forward. Have you seen anything of that nature maybe in Toronto or is or the neighborhood group just really ahead of their time? I am seeing these uh, new crop of um, entrepreneurs show up in Toronto. I think it's really exciting as well. And uh, yeah, I've seen mug shares. I've seen container um, reusable container programs. I've seen um, deposit programs for containers that are run by the actual restaurant. Um, yeah, I think it, there's a you know trend upwards towards um, reusing, and whether it's um, the model is that the 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 business itself runs the reusable, you know, washes and sanitizes and redistributes, or a third party collects, washes, sanitizes, and then redistributes back to the restaurants. Um, you know, there's definitely, a, um, I'm seeing more of those trends and they're getting started. I think 2020 is going to be a really popular year for um, these startups and, uh, you know, restaurants are going to be exposed to this as an option for the, them as well. And um, yeah, reusable mugs and cups seems like the, um, the, e the not the easy, but like the simple, the yeah, yeah, the it's the one. obvious thing, because, you know, we all drink coffee, there's six billion <laughs> coffee cups, just single-use coffee cups that get disposed of every year, so, and, uh, you know, I think we can do our part, and yeah. just... Six billion. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) That's hard for me to fathom, like that number of uh, reusable or non-reusable containers being used up and working through um, constantly all the time. Um, On the business side of it, um, I know I just talked about like a deposit program and everything, uh, but I'm aware of uh, like uh, Starbucks is what I always think of for, uh, you know, they have their to-go containers and they just got rid of straws. And, uh, which is, I guess, a good thing, but uh, they switched to those sippy cup lids. So I guess it's two pieces of plastic compared to the old three, which is a little bit better, but not quite there. But they do offer an incentive if you bring in a reusable container, they offer you a small discount. Do you think that's the easiest way for a business to kind of break into this, you know, to kind of allow that incentive to move forward? So... I would like to see um, an even further, you know, push to change and have, um, you know, staff be trained to ask whether someone is staying in or taking out, and if there is an option for reusables at the stay-in uh, level, then I think that they should be um, distributed. It's really sad to see people who are drinking their coffee in a, you know, paper with a wax or plastic lined cup inside of a Starbucks. You know, there are ceramic mugs that Starbucks does offer, but most people don't know about. And unless staff are asking or there's a, you know, a sign by the cash, um, we're, you know, we're not going to get to those levels of um, low waste. So I think that there's a huge piece there in um, staff being trained on, you know, asking customers. But I, you know, incentivizing customers to bring their own uh, reusable in with a discount is a, is a, you know, it's a one way of do of um, getting behavior change. Uh, most people don't actually know about the discount though, because I don't think Starbucks actually um, advertises it, it yeah. or promotes yeah. it. So it's just you know, and I, I, you know, surprise when it happens. Um, there are other places that do the discount as well. Um, I know the city is looking into fees on certain disposables. Uh, we'll know more about that in the spring. And, um, you know, fees would uh, deter people from using the uh, disposables and, and um, maybe get them to, to think twice about, you know, getting something to go or they bring their, if they have to go, you know, on the, you know, on the way to the subway or something or grabbing a coffee, then they do bring their reusable, so. Yeah. Yeah, if I, yeah, you made me think of back to that Starbucks thing because they always have them hidden behind uh, like in cupboards, and I've seen cafes do that too. They keep everything like hidden in cupboards, and I think it's an aesthetic thing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it doesn't allow people to know that you could get a to a, like a, a um, sit in reusable container inside the cafe you're in, and I it's something that I was always surprised by because you can also get like a beautiful mug and it's so nice if you're if you're gonna sit in a cafe and you know have a latte or something and enjoy it why don't you have a beautiful container to have it in it just seems uh it seems common sense to me but i haven't yeah it's something that i've seen uh and vary across the board i i think that's the best way to put it at uh this moment in time um I don't know if you know the answer to this, but I've heard a lot of, contra- not controversial, but I've heard a lot of varying opinions when it comes to biodegradable containers. And a lot of places are saying that biodegradable doesn't actually work. Like they don't break down. And I've even, uh, when I worked in Guelph, which anybody who knows Guelph, it's like super hippie town. And a lot of people have compost bins. And a lot of people, because we had the, you know, biodegradable plastic, like cold, cold to go cups. So if you do like a nice coffee or something, and they said, I put that in my composter and that thing never broke down. 
Um, so have you, do you have any uh, answers around that or? Yeah, I mean, it's a very um, complex uh, world of biodegradability and, uh, you know, there's omnidegradable, there's uh, compostable, uh, there's, you know, labeling is a, um, it's a very tricky thing that happens in a lab, but once it's, you know, in um, the world and at the customer's, in the customer's hands, it's a it's a much different um, decision tree that a customer has to go through than just reading a label because it actually doesn't um, the label does not always match what happens at a municipal level. Uh, you can buy packaging now from all over the world, and you know the labeling is put on according to what happens in, like I said, a lab or you know what happens in a specific municipal collection. But once it comes, you know, halfway across the world into a you know a very um, different municipal um, uh, collection and standards, then it you know it, it may not be accepted. So we we have a we have a huge labeling problem, okay. and uh, yeah. it is a confusing thing for a customer to have to deal with. Backyard compost isn't available to a lot of people, you know, people who live in high rises, people who are renting, um, you know, in a multi-unit home, they don't have necessarily backyard composting, so they rely uh, heavily on the city compost. And uh, city compost does not accept a lot of our, um, you know, single-use cups, um, does not accept uh, wood or bamboo or uh, yeah so we really have to be careful I think waste wizard in Toronto is a really good tool um, if you're confused um, you know you type in what what the material is and it'll tell you how to deal with it um, for city collection of course there's also private waste collection which some commercial businesses have opted to um, have in their at their uh, location but I would say that you know the majority of takeout and delivery ends up in someone's home, um, or you know people are walking around with it in the street, and so they're tossing out the packaging in the uh, street bins, which are city collected as well. So I would say that um, you know it is a it is a rather confusing um, world we live in right now with the hybrid plastics, and you know PLA is not a um, a plastic that is. Um, uh, recyclable, it's nor is it compostable, um, is actually garbage. Uh, yeah. uh, the I get real nerdy here, but the aftermarket for plastic is um, I, there. We have to consider that as well. Where if a um, business is choosing, you know, uh, you know, green green plastic, you know, a bioplastic or plant-based plastic. Uh, where does that end up, right? Yeah. If it's going to end up in in the recycling, it's actually going to contaminate the recycling for the city because they can't sorters can't uh, distinguish between uh, petroleum plastic and plant-based plastic, and um, the mar the secondary market is for petroleum-based plastics. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, just yeah. So once again, it's better to have that reusable because it just creates that uh, less. Uh, it's less to think about. It just creates those programs. And I'm a kinesiologist, I always think occupational health, and that's kind of what this podcast is always about. And what I think when I hear these sorts of solutions, 
um, when it comes to reusable containers is actually creating less waste for the restaurant and then actually creating more efficiency and less work for the employee when it comes to lifting and such. Because one thing that I always saw in restaurants is that we have a huge amount of food waste because people don't think that, you know, they'll eat half their food and it gets sent back to the garbage because people don't think to have a container with them and take with them. Mm -hmm. Or um, reusable, or sorry, instead of, or if you have a one-time use cup and let's say somebody drinks half of it and puts it in the garbage, that creates a lot of weight in that garbage um, over time. And that creates an occupational health concern for me because those garbage cans, those sorts of things can get really heavy and that's a lot of heavy lifting. Um, so I think that could be a really great way to think about it, not only for the benefit of the environment, for the benefit of the marketing, for your, uh, for your programming to get customers in the door. Also think of the efficiencies that this can create in the end for your restaurant so that your employees can perform better as well. Does that is that something that uh, maybe is something to think about as well? I know this is probably like, this is just me, <laughs> this is me brainstorming kind of on the fly, but also how I think is that. Yeah, I think um, we're, you know, yeah, we do unnecessary uh, lifting in, in um, food industry because of yeah, waste and stuff. And we are, you know, you're standing a lot, you're, you know, washing dishes, you're, you know, if you're a kitchen that you just uses reusables. Um, so, you know, if the onus is on the customer to bring their container, um, there's, you know, less, um, I guess, maybe less dishwashing involved. Um, there is, uh, yeah. I. <laughs> I actually don't know how to answer that. That's question. okay. <laughs> that's okay. I I'd say you know what this is a funny thing. That's sort of what I've uh, so enjoyed and noticed with this podcast so far, and why I started was to start 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 people thinking about things in this way, and start thinking about the other side of it. You know, for the business mm-hmm. owners that may end up listening, or the employees as well. Um, who have access to the businesses they work for and start thinking about these sort of solutions a little bit differently. Because I know when I came forward as a consultant for restaurants and saying, hey, we can do all these things to help your employees perform better, it was always a little bit of a tough thing for people to hear. They didn't know what was possible. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think this podcast is a really great option to open people's eyes to thinking about that. And, you know, seeing that, you know, when you make one change, you can actually have a huge benefit for so many different aspects of your restaurant team, right? So, and that's sort of always the filter I put all these sorts of things through. Um, But, uh, so if people want to find you, if people want to connect with you, how do they go about doing that? Yes, you can uh, check me, check my um, Instagram out at uh, learning to live waste free. And my project Danforth Reduces is uh, at Danforth underscore reduces uh, on Instagram or at Danforth Reduces Waste on Facebook. Perfect. And uh, if there was any, um, uh, any, because uh, I know you mentioned like City of Toronto, counselors, all that sort of stuff. Would uh, If you wanted to bring these sorts of changes to the local community, would it be best to write your counselor to get involved in that way and uh, let people know that this is something people are looking for? Yeah, the city of Toronto um, has been undertaking, the staff at least have been undertaking uh, the last year and a half a um, consultation and um, um, ad, uh, stakeholder meetings, uh, and they're advising the 
Council in the spring about uh, reduction of single-use and takeaway items. Uh, there's specific items that are up for um, uh, possible fees and bans, and you can find that at the City of Toronto slash long, um, solid waste, uh, long-term waste uh, strategy, Google that. Um, but also, yeah, I mean, there's the right to your council, councillors um, support BYO, um, which is bring your own container and uh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And I'm going to have all these links in the show notes. So if anyone is looking to uh, connect or find resources around this, don't worry, I will have them right in the bottom uh, there for you to check out. So uh, I think I'm going to give a little pause at this point. We'll get into our last segment that's a little bit more fun, which is the crazy restaurant stories, because um, I'm sure you have a few. Uh, so we'll have some fun with that in just a second, and I think I'll pause right there. Hello, listeners. Now... I just have one quick thing to remind you about. Actually, it's two quick things. I just have two quick things to remind you about before we get into our crazy restaurant stories. Firstly, I want you to go join that Health Kitchen Facebook group. We have all sorts of people on there that have all sorts of ideas and techniques to make working in a restaurant easier and make you more productive during your workday, but also make you less fatigued so you can enjoy the rest of your life so you're not burnt out when you get home. So go join that group and join in on the discussion. It's a private Facebook group uh, and it's called Health Kitchen. The link to it will be in the show notes, but also if you just look up the name of the show on Facebook, you should find the group as well and the second thing i want to let you know is i am looking for listener submissions so if you have a crazy restaurant story or if you have an occupational health story working in restaurants or if you just have something that you think would add to the content of the show send me an email uh, if your stuff is amazing and it's a great addition, I'm going to have a story to read on the air. So if you have a story to tell, send me an email at aaron at balancelifeservices.ca and hopefully we can connect and uh, I can read on the air and I won't reveal who you are if you want to stay anonymous, but I thought there's a bunch of people that have stories to tell. They've told me about them and what better way than to have me giving a voice to those stories. So send me an email, aaron at balancelifeservices.ca. And without further ado, let's get into those crazy restaurant stories. So we are back, and we are into the crazy restaurant story segment. And I know I'll have a name for this at some point um, for this segment. I don't have one yet. Uh, I'll get there. I promise everybody. But I always like to start um, with crazy restaurant stories, and I worked a lot of catering gigs over the years. Um, I worked for some really fancy catering gigs, some less than fancy catering gigs, and there is one catering gig that stands out to me as probably the rudest thing I ever had a guest do to me in the industry. and. What it was, was it was a very rich family, and they were, we were on site, it was their company party. So all the executives, all, like we're talking like 150 to 200 people. Uh, and it's an outdoor tent uh, at their mansion home, and they have all the tables, and it's full fine dining. Like we are, it's the whole nine yards. And 
huge staff on site, and they actually turned their uh, four-door garage into the kitchen. So, like, that's just to give you an idea of the scale that we were working at. And we were working away, and I had appetizer plates. And they were called canapes for the fancy name, for anybody who knows. And I was walking around with butterfly lamb chops. And you walk through, and everybody takes them, and they take a napkin, and you walk through, and that's great. And then on the way back through, you uh, are supposed to have people put their garbage on your plate, right? So that they don't have to find a garbage can, right? So you kind of give both sides of that service which is totally fantastic, and everybody on the whole does that. But there was this one guy, and I was in a white dress shirt, thought it would be hilarious to put his half-eaten lamb chop in my bear's pocket instead of putting it on the plate. Oh. <laughs> I, I was flabbergasted that that was a thing, and he thought that Who was Who does fine, that? Right? <laughs> <laughs> and the best part was he did it twice. Um, so... Uh, funnily enough, this is a really great story of, like, you don't abuse your service staff too much ever as a customer because I went to my manager, they mm. went and talked to the family who lived in the house and ran the company, and I'm pretty sure they had that guy thrown out for the night and possibly didn't have a job, that, you know, later, you know, uh, because of that, because, you know, that's a pretty, you know... It not only looks bad on you, it looks bad on the family who's paying for everything. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> that was, that's sort of my, you know, <laughs> I always think about it. Uh, he was right next to a pool. I almost pushed him in the pool. I was so annoyed, but I didn't. I didn't. I just brought up my manager. But those, you know, that's something that only happened once, but really stood out to me. But do you have any stories of that Oh, no nature? one. No one's tried to shove anything in my pocket, thankfully, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, I guess, um, you know, along the themes of opulence and, you know, over the top um, catering at Kerner Hall, we used to, you know, not just concerts and, um, you know, classical music, we used to host a lot of different catering um events or catered events and uh, they would close down the lobby and transform that into you know whatever the desire of the event planner and the um, corporation wanted and for instance um, the one that I remember the most you know was this the lobby transformed into this like edible wonderland of like breads and cakes and um, you know just this carb like delicious carbs there were um, huge statues made out of um, uh, ice cream cakes and wow. yeah <laughs> no and and you know we got to see the kind of the the hidden food magic behind all these displays, which is glue, basically. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Duly noted, duly noted. Uh, so there's no eating that afterwards. You're not breaking that down and taking it home. Uh, you're throwing it out, unfortunately. And these weren't, uh, you know, uh, plastic or styrofoam made to look like food. They were actually food. So there oh. was, like, food products that were just glued together to make it look like, you know, some sculpture or something. And there was a, you know, I remember there was a sign that's you know, had the, the name of the company in, in bread, and it was, like, a massive sign that was hung from the ceiling. Like, it was just over-the-top crazy. And, um, yeah, we, we definitely, um, as... Servers were just in awe of how much waste was being created for people to circulate through, basically, yeah. and then attend to their meeting elsewhere. And it was, you know, all of, you know, an hour, and then it was done. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it took, like, four hours to put together, and, of course, staff did that, and, um, yeah. 
Yeah. I'm always reminded, I, I don't know if you've ever watched the show Party Down. No. Oh, it is, um, it's about the catering business from the back, you know, from the serving end. Yeah. And uh, it's comedy, but it's, um, it's, al- it's also very real. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah, that's interesting, and I think that's something I hadn't thought a lot about, but it is something to also think about with those big events, right, where we have these one-time events, and then there's a lot of waste connected to that that maybe people don't think about um, that exist in certain kinds of ways. Um, Maybe go about uh, thinking about, like, Burning Man instead, where everything you bring in, you have to take back with you or something when you plan a big event, but... (laughs) Uh, I had no idea that food is usually... Well, I'm not surprised that food's held together with glue. Because I know when you uh, when you see a lot of, like, food ads, um, they, like, the stuff you see is never what it is, mm, right? Yeah. So uh, my favorite example is uh, anytime you see an ice cream ad, that's mashed potatoes. What? I had no idea. Yeah. Um, oh. Because it holds the shape, right? Because yeah. you, you need hundreds of shots to get the a shot for the ad, it's uh, you're actually it's the only thing that will hold the shape. Ice cream would just melt. Oh, true. Yeah, I guess I never thought of it that way. And so yeah. they, they color the the mashed potatoes. Yeah, to they make color it. them and everything. Wow. Um, and uh, pancakes um, with maple syrup on them. Uh, usually, the maple syrup is motor oil. Oh, that you don't want to eat that afterwards. Oh, <laughs> you don't no, want to eat it. Yeah. But if you ever see ads, just think oh. of what it could be otherwise, because it's probably not the actual food item, <laughs> uh, because it just doesn't uh, it doesn't fly in that kind of way. So, uh, because they need to be able to get the shots. So, um, I guess food. Yeah, food can be finicky, so you need a really like stable product. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Food is not very stable. No. Guess, so, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so well. That's awesome. Uh, I think I'm going to leave it at that today. But thank you so much for uh, coming on this podcast and chatting with me and uh, getting in front of this all this uh, reusable movement and learning about it. Because I think, you know, we talk obviously about health performance here, but so many things connect to that when it comes to the restaurant industry. And it's not just happens in a vacuum. You know, we can't just control it out in the way that we might in other industries. So I'm so happy to have had you on. Thank you so much, Katrina. Thank you. uh, Yeah, and I'll have all the notes. So, yeah, thank you. Great, thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Hell's Kitchen podcast. Now, if you want to contact me, my email is aaron at balancelifeservices.ca. My Twitter is b underscore life underscore services. My Instagram is balanced underscore life underscore services. And don't forget to go join that Facebook group, Hell's Kitchen, where you can connect with all sorts of working food service professionals to find out what works for them what isn't working for them and find some people who maybe know how to help you have a better work day and remember if you want to be a guest on this podcast send me an email i'd love to chat with you see ya